Welcome to the Product Podcast, brought to you by Product School, the podcast where you get fresh insight from leaders at top tech companies and startups. Remember, you can learn product management in person at our 15 campuses worldwide or study with us online. Visit productschool.com to learn more about our courses. You can also hang out with the leaders from these podcasts at our hundreds of annual events and catch us at ProductCon, the world's largest PM conference that takes place every year across the United States and in London. My name is Fazal Gupta, and I work for Oracle. My background has been, uh, I've worked in a startup, in a mid-sized firm, as well as a large company. So the topic I'm going to be covering today is my experience of what it means to launch products in a large firm setting. And I'm going to spend some time contrasting what it could be mean in a startup versus what it means in a large firm. So here are the quick recap on agenda on what we plan to cover. Uh, I'll set up the context on what am I basing my experience on and what might be the key things you should think about, why this topic is important. And then we will talk about each of these phases which are relevant for any product being brought on uh, is being brought to life. And if you think about it, in each of the phases, I'm going to stress on the differences, as I said, with what it means to do this in a startup setting versus a large firm setting. So let's start with context. The first and foremost thing, I'm sure all of you guys are smart and all of you guys value your time quite a lot. So the first question you should ask yourself is, why is this topic worth learning about? And in plain, blunt terms, there is a better chance of your career getting accelerated if you can launch a new product in the market and your name is associated with it. Especially as a product manager, definitely it is something where you can have your stamp and people can see you as somebody who can drive business success or some new innovative idea to the market. The second reason, which is more from a macro perspective or from a firm's perspective, why it is important to think about new product ideas. So I just listed out some examples from history, not even very far history, where companies either really succeeded very well, if you think about a company like Weather Channel, which reinvented itself once the digital age came along and became like the source of information for farmers and everybody else. Or you think about a company like Kodak, which probably had the technology which could really do well, digital cameras, but they just couldn't launch that very well. So it could be an existential risk for companies to figure out how to launch a new product successfully. And my perspective really is based on my experience of launching business-to-business products in uh, selling to medium or large-scale enterprises uh, at high level. And because of that, some of the things I'm going to talk about are probably very relevant in that context. So, and it may not apply to somebody who's selling, let's say, a business-to-consumer product. So keep that in mind. And one thing I would say before I move to the next slide, Mark Twain said this, all generalizations are false, including this one. Which means, whatever I'm telling you guys, I'm sure you can always find an exception to it. You can always find an argument against it. So take this as one man's experience of doing this work a few times and used to base your own experience on. All right, so let's talk about business case phase. And uh, the slides are a little bit cut out, but don't worry about those. I'll speak through it. So for the business case phase, I think there are a couple of ways this can happen. The way I uh, I like to look at it is what I call strategic. So strategic reasons for 
thinking about why a product should be launched in a big company. The big one all typically is the addressable market of the product. So when we talk about addressable market for a product, that means you're looking at what is the possible revenue opportunity, how many customers might be looking to buy that product. And that would typically where a startup or a new firm which is trying to launch a new product will think about. In a large company, what happens is the discussion is not just about what is the addressable market about this product. You're actually thinking about how does this product really fit the portfolio of products I offer. So let's say I'm a company which is selling or sells ERP applications like finance or workforce management. For me, building an inventory management solution might be worth it, although the market size may be too small. But for a new startup, spending all their energy building an inventory management solution may make no business sense because it's not going to give you enough revenue. Right? So that is an important aspect. The second thing is when you think about addressable market, this is a key element which you need to worry about is the success definition or success metric is important to think about. And again, it may not be driving revenue for the company. That is an interesting thing which you should keep in mind for the product. The, another aspect which where strategic driver plays out for a new product is when you think about the customer. So we heard from Gibson as well as Anna. You do think about the customer when you're thinking about any product. And as a product manager, you are the advocate of the customer. When you're doing a new product, sometimes one of the challenges is that customer is kind of a unicorn. You actually don't have customers, so that might be a challenge. In a larger firm, the good thing which happens is you actually have access to customers who are likely to be buyers of your new product, which is awesome as a product manager because you can actually talk to people who will buy your product or most likely going to look for buying your product and understand their use cases. And that can be helpful, which has also some side effects. I'll talk about that a little later. We talk, uh, the, when you think about how this product idea comes into being, it can be top-down or bottom-up in many cases. And when we think about the bottom-up ideas, I think Gibson mentioned Netflix has that culture. I think it can be culture, can be one of the ways you can think about. Some organizations are very top-down, where the leader really comes up with some ideas, or they are more driven from the top, whereas some organizations, it's from bottom-up or a combination. It also, to some degree, depends on the kind of idea. If you are a company which is really focused on U.S. market, some product managers sitting in one place, I mean, there might be exceptions, but it's unlikely that that product manager can decide, I'm going to launch my product in South Africa. It needs to come from somewhere at the top. So it depends on the kind of path-breaking idea you're also think thinking about. Now, other reasons which are not shown, but I'll talk about, which are what I call reactive. And it can be debated whether reactive reasons are a good reason to launch a product or not. My belief is they do exist, so we should know about them. So some of the reactive reasons why people will go about launching a product in a large company, one is, and it's a good one, that you actually have had startups run the course, they have defined the market, they have validated the market. So now as a large company, you know that the market cares, there is good amount of revenue to be made, we have the capital, so we can overtake the startup. Right? And that is a fairly common conversations which can happen in large companies. Another reactive reason when people launch new products in big companies is when they start hearing about a startup constantly, especially the leadership team starts to hear about a startup constantly and it starts to irritate them. Right? Again, it could be an ego thing or it could be something they're really scared about in terms of the larger 
risk to the company if this startup starts to get better. Think about Slack versus Microsoft in some ways, right? So there are things when this starts to matter, and as leaders, you really want to get ahead of them, so you want to launch the similar product, although you may not have the, all the skill set or the reasons to do the product. And last but not the least, there is a, what I call the FOMO concept, which is fear of missing out. If you are a large company, you got a lot of capital, you start hearing about a new buzzword, new technology out, chances are you want to have your name associated with it, whether you do a good job or not. You want to start at least experimenting with that idea. And that might be another reason people will do such a project. So let's get into the phase which I think is very near and dear to product managers, which is road mapping. And the way I define road mapping process is you think about all the features you can do in the world, and you can do so much in the product. Product manager's primary job in my mind is to figure out what really has to be done and what should not be done. And that's what the roadmap looks like. So when you think about roadmap, the first thing, at least I believe, uh, is important for a roadmap is definition of success. And I think, as Anna said, if you know the strategy of the product, then you can define what the success metric looks like. So again, for you, depending on the business case and what was the reason of doing this product, you're going to come up with a success metric which aligns with that strategy or with that goal, right? And for that, that may not be revenue. So again, it may not be the number of customers this product will have. It may not be the revenue. In many cases, it may be just the attach rate. So how many times you're able to sell this product with the product you really wanted to sell to the customers. Think about it almost like a razor blade pricing kind of concept. Companies will not make razors if they could not sell those expensive blades. So similar to that, your product might be the razor. You need to get this out there so that your actual high-value-add product can be sold. The other thing, which I think sometimes, at least in my experience, has been hard, and personally I can tell you, because I come from engineering background, was harder for me early on to understand, is depending on the strategy for the product, sometimes the goal is not to really build the best product out there. You are a product manager. You really want to build something which is awesome. But some cases, you need to think about and look at the overall strategy and see what is the job of this product in the market and what goal am I trying to achieve. And then good might be good enough, which is awesome and something you have to make peace with. And if, especially if you're bringing in new product managers on team, something you have to really educate them on. So the other thing which is worth thinking about is the target personas. And when we think about target personas, one of the things which you may, need, you may experience in a large company is the legacy cusp product which might have existed which was solving a similar problem. So a large company, many times, you think about new products, they are generally in evolution. They are in incremental innovation on something which was existing in many cases. And for a large company, there is a level of baggage involved, in simple words, where you just can't ignore all the existing customers you might have had and you need to think how to get them along. As a startup, you probably don't have customers, so you don't have that worry at all. But in this case, you do need to think about why this matters. And the reason I bring that up is it plays out key role in what I call the stack ranking process. So ultimately, you are stack ranking your features. In a large firm, what can happen is you will need to think a little bit more broadly versus very focused, which can, again, be hard. You have a very clear strategy of succeeding in this new market, you have articulated that market strategy very well. But you have this legacy customer persona to think about, so you have to think about some of the use cases 
which are actually important to them, but are not important to the new market. And depending on the kind of company you are, if you are a company who's been around for decades, this can become very important. Because think about it, it makes a lot of economic sense. The customers I already have are probably the customers I can easily keep, contain, and make sure that they are with me for the long haul. So that's the reason you will want to do it. The other thing which is important is differentiation. So in roadmap, obviously, when you are building your strategy, I think Anna mentioned the value curve, where it's important to figure out what your differentiation is externally. Right? That is like a product management 101. But the other thing which is important or nuanced in a large company is you don't have to just differentiate externally. You have to think about what it could, what it could mean to differentiate internally. Because, again, there is a chance there is a similar product being built by a different group in the company for their own reasons. And you, your job as a product manager is to try your best and figure out those objective reasons why both the products should exist or why one of the products should not exist. Right? Those are not fun conversations. Those are tough conversations. And you will probably end up doing it while you're getting your V1 version of the product out. So let's talk a little bit more about execution phase. And the important thing for execution phase is really when you get into the trenches, you're getting the code written out, you're basically getting your product fabricated, manufactured, whatever the product nature is. In a large company, one of the things which at least I learned, given my background was from startup and when I came to Oracle, the important thing you learn is you have to adopt the standard policies and procedures. So you may think, well, I'm doing a new product. I have a very clear idea of what my customer segment is. I don't need to worry about X, Y, and Z. Well, that's great, but there are corporate policies, there are corporate standards, and more importantly, there is some brand specific stuff you have to make sure. When a large company is releasing a product, people have a certain level, level of expectations. Take the simplest example. If I'm selling a product which may, not, which may be just at V1, I have to make sure it is accessible from day one. Although my, I don't know if I'm going to get a customer for whom it will be relevant on day one. But I have to make sure because my brand is associated with it. The second thing which is more critical also is when you think about execution phase is how do you assemble that team, right? So when you think about assembling a team together, the f one question which is interesting is how did, where did these people come from? Many cases in a large company, it's not like every time a new, uh, the company comes up with a new product idea, they go out there in the market and hire 10 new people. They are actually looking at other groups who may be getting, their work may be getting reorganized or their, may, may, their work may be getting cut out, those are the people you are actually going to see joining your team. What that means is the skill set gap management is probably going to be a reality. Now, again, that's probably a universal truth. It's probably true in startup setting also. You always don't get exactly the people you want. But even in a large firm, you don't have the luxury that you're going to hire everybody who's just fit for this job. So you may end up having to manage that skill set over the course of the product. The second thing, which is a little bit more of a soft skill, but I think very important, is the senior product managers who are going to be looking at this product or joining this product, their openness to change is probably a make or break for this product. Especially if you think about it, as I said, there are many times you have companies who have had a legacy product who may have played in this market in a different traditional way, and now they're coming into this new market in a new way with a new innovation. 
The product managers may have dealt with similar use cases, but not this one exactly. And their openness to the idea that they may not know exactly what this market needs now, and they're going to learn it just as a way a new product manager would or junior product manager will, is very important. If you don't get that, it will be very, very hard to actually help keep everybody aligned, building the right strategy. So coming to the go-to-market phase, and this is one of those phases which, coming from an engineering background, I initially didn't see enough value in it when this started, when I thought, well, if I build an awesome product, which is true in some cases, if I have an awesome product built out, it will just sell itself. Well, turns out that's not many times true. And if you're looking at a product which is generally being sold by a sales team or by distributors or resellers, in many cases, the thing you have to figure out is the sales compensation strategy. So they say salespeople work, basically they understand only the language of money, which is true. And because they do that, if you cannot figure out the compensation strategy for your new product, which means how much commission they're going to get, how much attach rate we should be giving them. It could be three times, four times. There are a whole bunch of science which goes in sales compensation. And more importantly, if you have multiple sales groups who are in the company, which groups should be selling this product and which groups should not? And that is really driven by the strategy, but that could be the biggest reason of your product getting off the ground or not, in my view, especially for this kind of a market. The second thing, which sometimes at least I felt uh, in a large, from a large company, the expectation is because you've done this quite a few times, you come out with a new product, you kind of just know what the product messaging should be. I think it turns out it actually remains equally hard no matter whether you're launching your first product or your hundredth product. Figuring out that simple resonating message, which market will understand, which your customers will understand, takes its time. So just because you are in a large company doesn't mean you are just going to be able to come up with that great message like this. As a product manager, the best thing you can probably do is be patient about it and recognize that that is going to take its time. Another aspect which is sometimes very interesting is pricing, right? So we talk about sales compensation, which is one aspect of how do you com compensate your employees. The other aspect is how do you price the product for your customers to pay? And for some of the folks who might have done MBA, uh, pricing is a very interesting course. It always sounds very exciting because you get to do some fancy modeling stuff and you get to play with a lot of data. And it looks all great in that B-School project. When you come to the real world, one of the humbling experiences you get is it is much less of a science. It is much more of an art. And people are making their decisions on many subjective factors, especially if you think about business-to-business -business products. So unlike business-to-consumer, you're, you're selling to a much bigger audience, potentially. You don't have the pricing flexibility. In a business-to-business -business setting, you have a lot of pricing power. And you have to really figure out what kind of negotiation you want to encourage about your product. So as a product manager, what is probably going to happen, or at least what happened in my experience, was you will end up doing all that modeling. You will try to figure out exactly what should your product value proposition be, how much you should charge the customer, what metric makes sense, all of that. When it came down to actual making decision on the price, it turned out executives were a lot more worried about similarity. So their point was, we want pricing simple. We want to make sure that our customers who buy all other products from us can understand this price as well. So whether your metric or their traditional metric makes sense or not, 
that is probably the metric they want to go with because it has a concept of similarity attached to it. So again, something which happens, something which you have to keep in mind. In a startup, you probably have a little bit more flexibility. I mean, in some cases, you can't charge for a product because nobody knows you. But if you can, you have a level of flexibility of choosing the best metric. In a large company, you may not. And last but not the least, I think uh, the concept of creating collaterals. And when I say collaterals, it's a pretty broad category I'm talking about, which is folks who are really in the marketing team, folks who are in support, documentation, release, documentation, all of that stuff. So in a small company, you generally have the challenge that you can't hire all those people. In some cases, product manager is basically doing these jobs depending on the day of the week. But in a large company, you do have the luxury that you have departments who are actually assigned to do this job. There are marketing teams, there are large support teams who are basically going to be doing this job, which is awesome, except when you think about a large new product being launched, as I said on the slide one, people want to be associated with the new product launch because if this product makes big, well, my name being associated with it will be helpful for my career too. So you will probably see a lot of people who would want to collaborate in this kind of a phase of building your marketing collateral, getting your messaging, getting your press releases out which is good because as a product manager, it's great. You're getting all the help you wanted. You're getting the right people to do this job. I think your job becomes in tricky because you need to make sure that you are helping make, let you know, the key message not get engulfed by the noise because you need to make sure people are just not running in 10 different directions. Ultimately, the direction has to be consistent for this product to make sense to the market. So my learnings, uh, I think at least some of the ones I wanted to share with you guys. You are going to have enough battles getting different product phases out, different features out, everything about the new product launch. It will be smart on your part to choose your product battles wisely because you're not going to win every battle and you're probably going to drain yourself if you try to win each and every battle. Let it be, there are few things which will not go your way, but choose the battles which make sense. And then one battle, which at least I will talk about, and uh, I'll say it, although Anna gave a big reason why you should think about strategy, it is true that the team members are actually far more important than strategy in my experience. You can always get the right strategy in place if you got the right team. It doesn't work the other way around. So you, if you, there is one thing you should fight for, is getting the right people on board. And at least one thing which I truly believe in is, just like a startup, even if you are in a large company, what you really want to focus on is getting your first set of initial customers. Whether that is first tens of customers, first hundred of customers, or thousand customers, whatever the product's nature of product is, getting them on board is the most important thing you have to focus on. Because everything else is academic until you get your customers, and then you really know what works for your product and what doesn't. So focus on those. And I'll leave you guys with this, that ultimately... Enjoy the journey and enjoy those small wins because it's going to be a long one. And if you're not enjoying yourself, you're probably not going to be able to make it. Thanks. Thank you for listening to the Product Podcast. If you like this episode, don't forget to leave a review on iTunes. For more product insights, head over to productschool.com.